Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Star Wars Thrawn. You're listening to Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. Now that I have your attention, know this. A Utini production. I found this whole experience to be very enlightening. Episode 17, Thrawn Treason Roundtable. It's closer than you think, Captain. On this episode, the Utini team reviews the latest Star Wars novel by Timothy Zahn, Thrawn Treason. I forgot not everyone is able to appreciate art as I do. Also, your iTunes reviews and Patreon thank yous. And now, here are your hosts. May I introduce... Dr. Corey Helton. An unexpected pleasure to meet you. Eric Eilerson. Just a moment. And Dr. Charles Hankel. They'll be the architects of their own destruction. Labatt Blue Light is like, the reason why I have it, uh, because in Michigan... Beer from Canada is basically like local beer. Like it's it's priced almost the same because it's right there. It's like upstairs. Mm-hmm. And it's good. Is I mean, it better than Natty Light Lemonade. It's all yeah, that matters. <laughs> barely. Dude, it was good. I was still shocked. It's pretty good. I, I finished my last one the other day. All right, Charles, you're like not allowed to crap on Natty Light Lemonade <laughs> until, you, until you've tried it. Like going next forward. week. Next week, because I'm going to have my new mic, like my whole new sound set up, and I'm just going to be holding a cold Natty Light Lemonade. That's right. Spend your 80 cents, get a Natty Light Lemonade. Oh, and it's going to be, it's going to make your life a lot better, I think. Yeah, the suspense is killing me. <laughs> Crash of Fate. What? Where is it at? I don't even see it on Amazon. Crash of Fate? What are What are all these Star Wars <laughs> books? I don't recognize any of this. What is this Galaxy's Edge Galactic Outlaws? What is, is that like a reference book coming out? I don't know what that is. Wait, Corey, are you not using Wait. our Amazon link for Crash of Fate? No, I am. I'm just <laughs> I just forgot about it. <laughs> don't don't do like I Yeah, look at these books. There's a uh, like a Galaxy's Edge book 1. What is this? Yeah, I don't know what. Let me see here. Is. I'm looking at it in Slack. Galaxy's Outlaw. Wait, is this this isn't even Star this Wars. Isn't this isn't Star is Wars. Something called Galaxy's oh, Edge. Yeah, it's right. just called okay, Galaxy's okay, Edge. Okay. There's a Galaxy's Edge about to say, series. It, it sure does look like it could be Star Wars. So yeah, I think they're banking the on fun. that. I was, I was getting excited there. I was like, what is this? <laughs> All these Galaxy's Crash Edge books. Like, no, I, think, I think I do own Crash. Where is it at? <laughs> okay, look, look at, looking at the cover, I swear I've held this. Did they send the... Uh, did they... <laughs> it's the so first Living Force podcast mystery episode. Where is this Corey's is really, really copy? I, I promise I read all the books. I just... like I slipped my mind the, the release date of A Crash of Fate and how soon I had to have it done. This is really bad. I'm terrible. You'll find it somewhere, maybe. Like a bookstore. This is a young, it's a young adult. Yeah, it's a young right? adult, so, so, it's, so it's Disney Lucasfilm. I think it's that little weird time in which I was not on their list, which I... Is the cover... The cover is different, right? Isn't it printed on a hardcover? Yeah, it, it has it, the yeah. sleeve, but it's on the hardcover, yeah. Yeah, the leaf and the hardcover it's are the really same nice. thing, which is the best thing. I love that so much. Agreed. Where you'll see the book profile and my non-spoiler review. It is. blog non-spoiler, which I haven't read yet. I need to read that. Here is the complete book details. Okay, there it is. Oh, it's, it's got a rating. It's a pretty high rating. Yeah. Right now, still. I think three people have read it so far. Or rated it, at least. Rated it, yes. Andrew Bell, which I'm confused on my 
because my photo is Andrew's photo on the website <laughs> right now, and I haven't fixed that yet. All right, let me go to the Amazon and break the Amazon terms of service by using my own link to purchase the book. <laughs> Here we go. Proceed to checkout. Look at that. Perfect. All right. Man, you're... That users is how you use Amazon or the Eugenie website to buy a book on Amazon and give me four percent. And I would like to keep it that way. And that Help support the podcast is the most important thing to learn today on the Living Force Podcast, episode seventeen, the episode where we tell you how to make us more money. I am one of your money grubbing Disney shill hosts, Eric Eilerson, <laughs> and with me. <laughs> Our two fellow canon nuts. The first is Dr. Corey Helton, who just bought Galaxy's Edge Crash of Fate through Utini. How's it going? It's going great. Excellent. And Dr. Charles Hankel. Hello, already... boys. How are we? We're great, man. We are excellent, excellent. doing great. Very excited to be here with you guys for our Thrawn Treason Roundtable episode. If you're new to this podcast, this is going to be one of those episodes we do for every single canon novel release. About 30 days after the book comes out, we will do a two-part episode, usually, about our favorite things about the book, uh, spoiler-filled. So if you have not read Thrawn Treason yet, listen to the intro and then maybe pause for a bit. But before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about Utini news, my friends. If you are one of those new people, or if you're not and you haven't heard us talk about it in a bit... Utini.com is the website three of us run with a bunch of our awesome friends, all about the Star Wars Expanded Universe, and we got a couple cool things up on the site this week. First of all, we did just mention A Crash of Fate, which Corey just bought. Galaxy's Edge A Crash of Fate is a young adult novel that came out last week, officially? Mm. Is that how close? Yeah, last week, week before, by the time this comes out, and we have a no-spoilers review that I wrote the day it came out, because, again, we, I am lucky enough to get the young adult books ahead of time, and I put out my thoughts about that. If you want to go check that out, spoilers for that review, it's good. I liked it a lot. And as of recording tomorrow, or as a release, rather, tomorrow, the full review for A Crash of Fate will be out on the website, so you can go ahead and check that out. And now, I'm going to do a little yeah, bit more and- shilling. And get um, if you have read Crash of Fate mm-hmm. or you want to get your review on the website, head over to the book profile page. You can just search for the book on the site, like you probably heard me do in the intro there, and you can just search for it. Like the page always says, "Complete book details." That's how you get to the mm-hmm. the uh, the correct book profile page. You can go to the bottom and leave some comments, leave your star review, and that will automatically populate at the top. So you can kind of see how your score affects the overall rating of the book and how that compares to our rating of the book. Yeah, lots of fun. Go review Crash of Fate if you haven't read it yet. I haven't read it yet, obviously, because I just bought it. I just realized that because I recently had an address change, I was not like on the preview copy <laughs> list for a while. And I'm like, why don't I own this book? And that's because I have not like purchased a Star Wars book in like two years because of Utini. And there I am. I it's hard times for you, man. It is. Hard man. times. Now, Charles. You're like such a peasant. <laughs> <laughs> Charles. The peasant. Um, have you? Did you finish Crash of Fate? Are you reading it? What are you? Where are you in Crash of Fate? I'm in the middle of it. I'm like, I'm probably like a third to a half of the way through it, and I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, it's not like to the caliber of Lost Stars or Most Wanted for me yet, but there's mm-hmm. still so much left. I don't want to give that final verdict too soon, but I, it's fun. It's a good book so far. Yeah, it, I, I agree. I think it's a lot of fun. And again, our spoiler-filled review will be up on Utini tomorrow. 
And you may have heard Corey go through the whole spiel and how to get that book at the beginning, but just in case, I want to give you guys a complete rundown on how you can pick up Crash of Fate and help us out a little bit here. Because as Corey said, we have an Amazon affiliate link with Utini. And if you want to help support this very podcast, all you have to do is go to the Crash of Fate book profile link at utini.com. You click a button, it says order at Amazon, it takes you right to the website, and the book profile can be found on both the reviews or by searching on the site itself. And in addition to you using that link, you get a great book and we'll get a little kickback, like 4%, right, Corey, something like that? A strong 4%. Strong 4%, which we would super, super appreciate. So definitely go pick up A Crash of Fate. And secondly, I want to mention, by the time this episode is up, we should have another review because, guys, we're getting to that time of the year. We are getting <laughs> – this Lots quarter is getting so much Star Wars stuff. I mean, between these really books – like, we're doing a podcast right now about Thrawn Treason, mentioning A Crash of Fate. I'm about to mention another book, and in a couple weeks, we have Black Spire coming out. All this before the November craziness, where we're getting, like, a video game. We're getting two books, The Mandalorian. Like, Yeah, we, we really we really need to sit down and talk about how we want to schedule our talks about all the big books. Because with so much stuff coming out this uh, this fall and, and around Christmas, like, we you know that that time after the film comes out is always really dead for mm-hmm. content. So I almost wonder if we should maybe wait to discuss one of like the major books until maybe after Christmas or something. That would be maybe yeah. fun. I'm not against that. Maybe we record early so we remember them, and then we'll <laughs> we'll actually release them a little later. Right. I love that. But one of the books that I wanted to talk about real quick is a book that a lot of people may have missed in this whole Thrawn Treason and Crash of Fate and Black Spire craziness, which is a little children's book called Star Wars Myths and Fables. Now... This book was marketed as a young reader's book, um, or, or all-ages book, if you will. And I received a copy from Disney Lucasfilm. Thank you guys for that review copy. And I was surprised how much I loved this thing. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And, like, I don't know, a lot of people kind of skip over books that are labeled as a different age group than they are. Mm-hmm. And I think this is definitely one of those books. But it's really strong i mean it's like a kind of a weird little short stories book and it's good yeah like it's comprised of 10 short stories all written by george mann with some beautiful classic illustrations by grant griffin and each book is written like an old school grim brothers fairy tale essentially right it's like 20 25 pages it's got a moral lesson it's got a familiar star wars location so there's like some on tattooing some on gleon some there's all different eras from the the Clone Wars, to before that, to the sequel trilogy, OT, everything like that. And they're just these really well-written, like they don't talk down to kids at all, which I think is Mm -hmm. the hallmark of good folk stories, good fairy tales, right? Mm -hmm. So they're enjoyable for adults, enjoyable for kids, and they really don't care if their legends are canon, which I think is so freaking cool. Like the whole intro to the book is about, you know... The importance of stories, and stories are stories, and that's it. it. These are the stories that maybe Luke and Leia heard as they were growing up, or that were whispered on Black Spire from kid to kid. Right. And it's so it's such a cool, unique thing. Yeah, they're sort of like almost fantasy spinoffs of Star Wars stories. Yeah. In a really interesting way, like like without spoiling too much, 
one of the first stories is about a crate dragon, and the crate dragon is is like not really described as the crate dragon is. Like if you're big Kotor games, you like kill one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's in those games, the crate dragon is like a like a Komodo dragon, kind of like a really large Komodo dragon. And the story in Myths and Fables, the crate dragon is like a flying fire-breathing dragon like yeah like old fantasy stuff it, i it, think that's that's sort of the point i think yeah it's like yeah that legends can change you know as they go from person to person like the way you heard the three little pigs may be slightly different than the way i heard the three little pigs and it's evolved yeah. and this is so the stories and myths and fables are basically where the legends have evolved to by a certain point yeah. and yeah. but a lot of it is is familiar like even just that crate dragon story if you have read your share of legends and or canon material, mm-hmm. you'll notice some things that you may recognize from yeah. from other stories. Yeah. It's, it's really fun to kind of figure out like who it is they're talking about in the stories because sometimes yeah. it's really obvious. Like one of them has got a picture of Grievous, so obviously that one is talking about Grievous. But, mm-hmm. you know, the Krayt Dragon stories, like, is this talking about Kenobi? Is it talking about some other, like... Like kind of Jedi kind of character. Mm-hmm. What who exactly is it talking about? And that's really kind of fun to sort of think about and figure that out. And it's really cool. It's short too. It's how many pages is it? Uh, one hundred ninety-two, I believe. Yeah, it's really short. It's got really large font. Um, yeah, and if you if you uh, the audiobook is also really great. I got a copy of that. It's by if you're a Broadway fan, the guy that did the original role of the genie in the Aladdin musical. He does the the audiobook. He's tremendous. He's got a great voice. And it's really good for, like, bedtime reading. You know, knock out a story mm-hmm. before bed. And, man, if you got kids, this is a necessity. Like, if, if you're reading yeah. bedtime stories to kids, this is awesome. It'll get them into your favorite universe. If you haven't quite wa- given them Star Wars yet, this is a really cool intro. So, yeah. again. You'll enjoy re- it as much as they will. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, again, I don't have kids. I don't plan to have kids. But I will read this book over and over because I just yeah. loved it so much myself. So, so, this one's on the site too, so you guys can leave a review for it. So head yep. over to utina.com and, and search for the book and find it, and you can uh, leave a community review. And we need to put our reviews up for this one too, guys. Yep, this yeah, one should, do. yeah, the written review should be up by the time this podcast drops, and then we'll be adding our ratings as well. The last few bits of business before we get into Thrawn, guys, we got some thanks to give out. Yeah, big time. <laughs> some big time thanks. As some of you may have known, we've talked on the last couple episodes about this kind of weird surprise patreon that we have which started out as a way for Corey to basically bill us all because the site takes money the podcast takes money to upkeep and we all pitch in because we love this thing and it was a lot easier than like venmoing everyone or paypaling or whatever so we all decided to set up a patreon so us within the company could keep the living force going and keep utini going and then three awesome dudes dylan sasser adam dyson and timothy dunlap searched out this Patreon, which has no rewards, it has no tiers as of now, and decided to become patrons to help us out. And we really just wanted to extend our thanks to Dylan, Adam, and Timothy, because, guys, the fact that you you are just supporting us at a point where we don't have anything extra to give you back kind of just means the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and... It really does. It feels like, I mean, I don't know you guys are just super loyal to the show and to what we do at Utini. And it just feels good to kind of know that there are folks out there that share the sort of belief about the expanded universe that we do. And you know, it's, we want to get people into this. It's the whole point of right. Utini in the first place is to help people get into the expanded universe and get out what we're getting out of it. Right. So like to have other folks that believe in that and are willing to 
show that support with mo- with, with money <laughs> is like <laughs> yeah 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 it's just, it's just like wow like that's like I, I'm like pretty I'm like pretty you know tight on my wallet about stuff like this about mm-hmm. like supporting companies and supporting other folks but I, I you know I'm a patron of a couple other podcasts and, and that sort of thing too and like I don't know it just feels cool and it feels like I'm involved in something to do that and you know if you're interested in, in helping us out with with patreon then you know go search for it you can find it yeah and, and you people who support the show are every bit as important to our mission as us three sitting here talking about this right now like if if you don't you know get out word of mouth about the show if you guys don't support us then we would just be three dudes talking over the internet which is still fun is and fun. that's how this started in the <laughs> first place but you guys really really are important to the living force and we thank you absolutely now on that note, in the next about probably two months, we do want to officially have a Patreon launch with rewards, with a tier system. And what we need from you guys who are listening to the show is suggestions. Because a lot of different podcasts do a lot of different kinds of rewards. We're going to compile a list of things that other podcasts do for ideas. But at the end of the day, you're the Living Force listeners. You're listening to us for a reason. And you have things you want to hear. You have things you want from us. So... In the next couple months, if you could tweet at us at livingforcepod, email us at livingforcepod at utini.com, or jump in our Discord at utini.com slash Discord, tell us what you want from the Living Force, from uh, Patreon rewards. You know, do you want movie commentaries? Do you want TV show commentaries? Do you want uncensored episodes? Like, what what do you actually want swag? us to put out? Do swag. you only want the swag? You just want a <laughs> t-shirt. It's okay. If you just want the t-shirt, that's okay. Like, I, I know that, like, when I get a company that I'm really, really into, when I get, like, a piece of apparel that has got the brand logo on it, mm-hmm. I'm always, like, really proud of that. It's super weird. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, you guys have seen how many pins I have? Come on. So, uh, so, yeah, let us know if that's something you would want. And the last thing... I would like to ask for. I know we're doing a lot of asking at the top of this show. Before we break and get to Thrawn, I was looking at iTunes, guys. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, you can rate shows on iTunes. You can review shows on iTunes. And as of now, at the time of recording, we are at 15 iTunes ratings, and we have six written reviews. They're super awesome. Good. Yeah, yeah, it makes my day. I would like to set a goal that by our next show, if we can double our iTunes ratings to 30 or get to 10 reviews total. Or both. I'm just going to throw that challenge out there. I think it'd be really awesome. And as weird as it is, the the number of ratings, the number of reviews do help that iTunes algorithm. They will throw us up there if people start to Google Star Wars podcasts. So if you're loving the show, you've been listening for a while, we love having you here. If you could just take a couple seconds, give us that five-star review, write a couple words down, and most importantly, share us with your friends. That'd be super cool. Man, we, we really are shills. We are shills. And now I swear <laughs> we're going to stop shilling. We're going to take a super early break to listen from a Utini member about some of their favorite books. And then we are going to dive right in to Thrawn Treason. Be right back. 
Hi everyone, Jared Mays here, coming to you with a Star Wars Legends recommendation. I'd like to recommend Darth Maul Shadowhunter by Michael Reeves, published in 2001. I've spent a lot of time trying to decide what it is that makes this book so good for me. Now, Maul really is a wonderful character, especially with as much of his journey as we've gotten to go on with the animated series in recent years. He's so iconic, and you can really identify to his desire to prove himself to his father figure in Sidious. And that's what this book does so well. We get to see him just try to get out of the shadows and prove that he is worthy. And he might mess things up a little bit along the way, but what makes this book really shine is its heroine. I think sometimes with the villain-based books, you can get a little bit tired of just always being in the mind of an evil character trying to do evil things. But when these books really succeed, they give you someone to root for. And this book does that perfectly. There's a Jedi Padawan named Darsha Asant. She's trying to prove herself as well. And so she's got a parallel journey to Maul. She's excited to become a Jedi Knight. And she finds herself in the path of Maul on his journey to retrieve a secret from a Nemoidian traitor. It's a great book. You get to go into the, the underlevels of Coruscant, and it's got one of my very favorite droids in Star Wars, and that's I-5. I hope that you enjoy it. May the Force be with you. And we are back after whatever that clip was. I don't know what it was. I won't pretend like I know what it was because Corey hates when I do that. So, it was really nice when Freddie was here because he was like, oh, yeah, thanks, Mick. Or uh, thanks, Heather, whoever he yeah. said. Yeah, it's Heather. Week, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of nice. I always forget we can literally just ask him who it's going to be. <laughs> but where's the fun in that? But speaking of fun, I am not going to stop talking as much because I'm going to throw it over to our resident researcher extraordinaire, compiler of questions, Charles Hankel himself. Let's jump into Thrawn Treason. Let's do it. Charles, right. before you just like totally dive into this, I want to ask you, like, because you've been doing these roundtable sort of put together these discussions for so long now, like, I don't know how you got that job, by the way, it just kind of fell in your lap, but like, I don't because know you've, <laughs> yeah, you, you've like, you've like written a lot of these sort of questions and really thought provoking <sighs> questions and stuff, like while, like since we, since you started doing it, like, does this make you think about the book differently now? Because you know, you're going to have to like put together thought-provoking questions i don't think it makes me think about it differently but i will say that i always come out of whatever our conversations are with at least a slightly different perspective like it, i always have these thoughts when i'm reading the book whether or not i write them down but the fact that i get to actually pose them to other people and hear their thoughts on it and a lot of times you guys can show me a little bit different point of view right from a certain point of view <clears throat> Uh, mm -hmm. That's really rewarding for me. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know how I got this job, but I'm happy to do it. I mean, uh, if I've Great read the book, I will compile the questions. And well, I'm so glad these conversations. because we don't want to. So, so glad that you're <laughs> willing to keep doing it. It is extra work. It is extra work, but it's worth it. Yep. Uh, so, right. if you guys are new to this, if you're just a Thrawn head that found our podcast, Charles does compile a bunch of questions about the book. He's going to take us beat by beat through a bunch of stuff about this book. And Corey and I are going to respond in kind. And we're just going to kind of chat about the book and see if we can influence each other's opinion on our final verdict. Spoilers. Lots of yes, spoilers. Spoilers ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sound the All klaxons, the Matt. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. 
Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. All right. So I'm going to start off how we usually do, just with a quick summary of the book. Some people want to listen to these because they don't want to read the book. So let me clue you guys in on what this book was addressing. So essentially, Thrawn Treason, which was the third canon installment in this series, follows the story of Grand Admiral Thrawn attempting to salvage some of the supply lines for Project Stardust, a.k.a. the Death Star, uh, when they are overrun by Gralix. And uh, he soon stumbles upon basically evidence of a galactic invasion, a secret galactic invasion by the Grisks. And so he has to work with both the Imperials and the Chiss military forces to defeat the Grisks, essentially save the galaxy, and uh, live to fight another day. So let's start off everything by rating the book on a 1 to 10. Don't say why you've rated it what you have, but just give me your number and we'll dive right in. So, uh, Eric, let's start with you. I'll give this one a 6, 6.5. Yeah, I will uh, totally match that, too. 6 and 6.5 is right where I'm at, too. Okay. All right. I'm a little bit higher. I give it a 7.5. Okay. All right. So, now let me tell you why you should both raise your answers by one to (laughs) one and a half points. (laughs) Here's the next two episodes. Let's go. So, just a heads up to all of our listeners we typically get like really nitty gritty with these, do a lot of character questions and whatnot. And with this book, I think we're really taking a more broad strokes approach. So I'm going to dive right in and, and throw the heavy hitter question on you guys. What are your overall thoughts on Grand Admiral Thrawn? Both canon and legends, just what do you think of the character? I think Eric and I both have kind of different answers for this a little bit. So I'm interested to see what he has to say compared to me. But Thrawn is a, uh, he's, I, I like him as a character. He's very Sherlock Holmes-like, uh, and he's very brilliant and, and sort of a military genius. Like, I like his character in general. Uh, I think he can sometimes tend to be a little overpowered, at least in the, at least in both Legends, at least the books, more or less, the books. Um, I've not read the comic series. Have you guys ever read the comic series? I'm read reading it, it now because yeah, of this okay. book. Yeah, I read nice. it. I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't read that yet. I'd be interested to see hear what you guys have to say about the comic series as well but in rebels it was super interesting to see sort of how he was in my mind because i had a very formed version of this character in my head like and then to see how he was on screen i was a little let down personally by the performance on 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 rebels compared to what was in my head now i've learned to sort of appreciate that performance like as this own thing and now that is thrown to me right because we've seen him as a character like it's really hard to sort of take away like you have a picture of what Harry Potter is like, and then you see the movie, and it's different than how you pictured it. Like it's kind of impossible to replace the movie character because you saw it, right? Um, so that's kind of how I am with with Ron there. But I like him as a character, you know. But like I said, he's pretty un undefeatable, and that can sometimes be frustrating. I think from a reading point of view, but yeah i kind of roller coaster with thrawn a bit i i really like him a lot in his first novel the first canon novel thrawn and i like him in rebels a lot those were actually my my first experiences were that before i went back to the original legends trilogy so i like him as an adversary in rebels because i think he's just tough enough that makes the plots against him kind of impossible i love the way he talks about art i love that he's very different in that compared to most imperials That he values culture as a weapon as opposed to, like, you know, the Empire really tries to get rid of anything that makes anyone culturally significant. So I really like that difference. In the Legends trilogy, I I found myself gravitating towards, like, 
the Luke and Mara Jade stuff in those books more so than Thrawn himself yeah. because I felt that it was just a little more interesting storytelling. But I liked him, again, as an antagonist because you basically felt the frustration of the main characters, and he was mm-hmm. an obstacle, and I think that's where he works the best. I really don't care for him too much in Alliances and Treason because, I, like you said, Corey, I find him a little too unbeatable. I found the Sherlock Holmes thing a little too cocky in the face of someone like Vader, for instance, or in this book, yeah. I almost felt like I, I as a reader wasn't getting the information in Thrawn's head, which makes sense if he's a villain, but as a protagonist, I felt like Timothy Zahn was, was trying to pull one over on me. And it felt kind of like an antagonistic read, which I wasn't too much a fan of. And I don't really, like, you know, I opened page one and by page 15, I'm like, okay, he's going to win at the end of this book because he's kind of invincible. So I think I really like him as a villain. I like him when people like Dave Filoni maybe take him a little more. And I'm excited for where his story could go. But the last couple outings have been pretty tough for me. Yeah. You know, you guys both brought up a couple of points that I think are fair points. And I think that a lot of people who read Thrawn, you know, might agree with. And the first one is that, yeah, he's he's like a little bit overpowered. He's very much like Sherlock Holmes. And my pushback on that point is most people who read or watch any iteration of Sherlock Holmes don't leave the story and be like, oh, well, he's too OP. Like he would have never figured that out in real life. But we do that for Thrawn, and I really yeah. don't fully understand the difference. I think it might just be that Sherlock is so ingrained in in just culture, in, in pop culture, and Thrawn yeah. obviously is not to that level, so we don't yeah. give him that pass. But it's the same thing, really. Yeah. I, I think, for, for me with that, I, I'm going to butt back and say I think that's the Watson thing in, in the books. Like we're, we're never quite reading a book, or rarely reading a book in Sherlock's head. So that's why I think the first run canon novel works so well because we're basically seeing him through Eli Vanto's eyes. So we're seeing him through the Watson. So we have the fascination that he has with this new person. (laughs) And even in the Sherlock TV series on the BBC with Benedict Cumberbatch, I think it works. It works pretty well when it works because he's he is kind of he's not a perfect human being. Like he's very much a dick to his friends. He gets stuff wrong sometimes, and then when he gets it wrong, it like changes his entire world and he freaks out and i think if we get a book where thrawn is so cocky and he's super wrong and then the star destroyer blows up because he messed something up well, that's kind I of would love that. a little bit yeah 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 i think that's why yeah. i like the rebels better because thrawn <clears throat> made... fallible yeah exactly and i and i love yeah. that so i mean my my favorite stuff is when sherlock is a little fallible gets it wrong and then by the end of it he's like "Ooh, cool I didn't see that before, but now I see all these little pieces of the puzzle, and then the yeah. and then the victory happens. You know, and I was actually I was actually going to say maybe we should you know um, pause for a second and kind of give some of the, the the newer readers in our audience like kind of a, a bit of a history lesson exactly of who Thrawn has been and kind of where he's where he's come from, right? So, have you guys read all the Thrawn material in Legends? Um, I've like only read not the... all of it. Go ahead, Charles. Yeah, I, I've read the original Thrawn trilogy, um, but I have not read like the Hand of Thrawn that comes afterwards yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. So, um, so Thrawn, if, if if you haven't known this already, most most folks in in the Star Wars reading you know sort of community are very privy to this information. But if you're a new reader, this might be interesting knowledge for you because to mm-hmm. for most of us, this is kind of common knowledge, right? So, Thrawn was created by author Timothy Zahn. So Timothy Zahn is kind of like. 
Uh, you guys have heard us talk about Claudia Gray as being sort of a superstar in canon reading. This is definitely who Timothy Zahn is in Legends reading, right? So he he wrote Heir to the Empire, the first of the original Legends Thrawn trilogy in 1991. And it's he's sort of credited with like kicking off the Star Wars expanded universe. So we owe him a lot, right? That's one Absolutely. of the reasons that we've that's one of the reasons we've been like, you know, I know we've had a couple of negative things to say about you know, about sort of Thrawn alliances and Thrawn treason in, in previous episodes. It's one of the reasons we have sort of said, like, listen, we want to really be respectful of how we are critical of Zahn's work because we owe Timothy Zahn so flippin' much. Like, because uh, Air of the Empire was on the New York Times bestseller list for, like, eight weeks running. Like, it was super successful mm-hmm. and was one of the first, like, five to ten Star Wars books that was reading, that was written, and was absolutely the one that put... Star Wars books on the map, and for a lot of people, for a long time, Heir to the Empire, what are the the next two Dark Force Rising Uh, and The Last Command. Yeah, for a lot of people, those were episodes 7, 8, 9 for people, right? Because there was no other books written. This was after Return of the Jedi, and people loved them, right? It featured Luke Skywalker super heavily. It features Mara Jade, who is a character that Luke married in the Legends uh, Star Wars universe and was a fan favorite. Um, and it's really great. It's a really great series. It created Thrawn. Like, he was sort of like the answer of what happened after Return of the Jedi with the Empire, right? Because yeah. not everything was destroyed. Just the Death Star was. So. Yeah. And Zahn has also always been super cool to the Star Wars community. Like, he loves going to fan meetups. He loves signing books. Oh, yeah. He's super nice all the time. And yeah. when Disney announced that they were bringing Zahn back to write the canon Thrawn, it was a super cool. awesome move on their part. Oh, yeah. because they we clearly, were all ecstatic. Yeah, they clearly respected him just as much so as you're saying Corey, yeah. i think all of our all our criticisms going forward whether it be on the thrawn character whether it be on books in general like zahn's work cannot be disavowed his, his enthusiasm no is noted his skill is noted yeah. so he's a great guy he's such a great yeah. guy too i got to I, I met him actually a celebration in chicago this year i got a picture with him and i like mm-hmm. i cried when i met him like legit like I had to like sit down for a few minutes after I just casually ran into him. I like shook his hand and thanked him for all he had done for the Star Wars Expanded Universe. And I got to hear him talk in two different panels. And he's a really great guy. He's such a cl- classic sort of sci-fi writer and he's done so much for Star Wars. We really, really owe him a great deal. So l- let's talk about what exists around Thrawn really fast. And this is my last little spiel and then we can dive back into our questions here. Um, we have the in in Legends. There are several books that have to do with Thrawn, right? The first is obviously the the, the Thrawn trilogies, as it's often called, even though I don't think that is its formal marketed name. But everyone knows it as the Thrawn trilogy. It's Heir to the Empire, um, Dark Force Rising, and uh, what's the, the last, last command? The last, the last command. command. Yeah, last command. So it's a trilogy. There's also a duology, two more books that take place uh, sometime after the Thrawn trilogy in in the timeline. Um, called the Thrawn duology, or the uh, the Hand of Thrawn duology, and um, it's sort of like, a, is Thrawn actually dead? We don't actually know. Like, where has he been? And mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool sort of look back at a lot of the stuff that's really familiar in um, in the in the Heir to the Empire series, right? And then lastly, now we have uh, we have a comic series in canon, and there's also a new trilogy, if you will, in canon, which is what we've been talking about. And the first of that trilogy is sort of Thrawn's origin story. And it's in my top five uh, canon books. I absolutely love the first Thrawn book. Um, you absolutely need to read it if you haven't already. Yeah, it, it's kind of universally beloved because it, in addition to introducing Thrawn to new readers, for fans of Thrawn, it kind of helped set him in this new timeline. Because now, instead of him starting post-Return of the Jedi, this starts Thrawn pre-New Hope. 
Right. So it kind so of Thrawn, Thrawn is like a he's an old character, right? He's been around for a really long time, um, which is I think one of the reasons maybe that we're so critical of him as a character is because he is he's such a important individual for the expanded universe. Maybe one of the most important individuals that mm-hmm. was not created in a film. You know, he was in the Rebels TV show, but like you know, like this is a completely original character to the expanded universe, like Mara Jade is, but Mara Jade has not been brought to canon yeah. yet. So I, I would, yeah. I would argue that Thrawn is easily the most identifiable EU character in Star Wars. Yeah, 100%. without 100%. it's not close. So all that, all that being said, like that's one of the reasons that we have so much to say about Thrawn, right? He's been around since the '90s and is kind of an individual responsible for a large part of the expanded universe being what it is. So let's just get that out of the way. Timothy Zahn, we owe you so much, and thank you for the amazing work we do. And I hope that anything critical we have to say is is not not received inappropriately or meant to be disrespectful because we owe you so much. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about Zahn's most famous character. So in this book, in... In Thrawn Treason specifically, Thrawn claims, and this is a quote, that he is not privy to the deepest secrets of the Ascendancy. That's really interesting, right? Because to us, we don't know that much about the Chiss, but we're all blown away at the abilities that Thrawn has. And yet, apparently, he's maybe not that important in the grand scheme of things for the Chiss. Uh, What do you think about that? Do you think that he actually is? Is he playing coy? Is he really just some random military member of, of the Chiss Ascendancy? What know. are your thoughts? Do we actually know that much about the Chiss, even we, after all this time? We don't. We really yeah, like, don't. I, do we even know their home planet? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I For me, I think... I, <laughs> I think that this is one of the things that made the book a bit tough for me, because I feel like... Thrawn is is such a beloved character and he's so powerful that I'm afraid anytime something needs to exist to make him unsure, it has to be somehow more mysterious and powerful, which, which kind of almost puts it to a point of nonsense. Um, to the point where like the Chiss, if he's just a random person in the Chiss military, then I feel like the Chiss would take over the galaxy in a day. Yeah, because he's okay. he's so much smarter than the primitives in the empire, and I think that mm-hmm. so so for that to make sense for me, I choose to believe that he's pretty high ranking in the Chiss. I think that there is a, a difference between mm-hmm. like military and intelligence. So I think he's kind of the military branch, um, whereas Arlani maybe has a little more of a link to the intelligence side of the Chiss. And while Thrawn may yeah. be aware of it, I think that's not his primary directive because if he if he's just a grunt, then I, I I think that plays more on fan service of like, ooh, the Chiss are amazing than it does to actual storytelling, which I don't sure. believe something Zahn would do. Yeah, so I, I just pulled up the, the Wikipedia article on this. So it's, this says, first of all, the planet is called Cicilla, C-S-I-L-L-A, is, is the home planet, I think, of the Chiss. And it says the ruling class of the Chiss Ascendancy was known as the Aristocra. Right, so Thrawn kind of strikes me as if I had to guess what his role is in the Chiss, I think it's a lot of what his role is in the Empire. Right, he's kind of like Grand Moff Tarkin in that he's a military leader, but is also like highly invested in politics, which mm-hmm. is often the case for you know for very high ranking military members. Yeah, like, like U.S. generals 
are very involved in U.S. politics. Like, so, right. you know, so I, I could kind of see how he's, he's more of, of both, which is why I think maybe Ar- Arlani um, sort of rubs him, sort of is irritated by him a little bit because he is maybe kind of more connected to the inner workings of the Chist, that, whereas she is probably more of a military leader exclusively. Mm. Maybe that's so the I thing know. is, like, I can't, I couldn't, I can't tell which one of them is more connected because they both still talk so mysteriously that I, I get why you want to do that for the Empire, but as a reader, I, I, I kind of need a little more. But we still know so very little about the Chiss, and maybe that's a good thing. I think that's one of the things that makes them interesting. It's like, please never do a Yoda origin story. Just don't. Like, the fact that he's as mystery as he is is what makes him such a great character. So. But goddammit, give me that Yoda Yaddle buddy cop. Like... <laughs> Like four hundred years ago, no, Eric. Give no, me Yaddle, you cowards. Well, it's interesting that you guys brought up Yaddle Arlani. treason, Yaddle oh. alliances, <laughs> the hand of Yaddle duology. Stop it! No, <laughs> galaxy's edge a crash of Yaddle. How many fingers are on the hand of Yaddle? Three. Are you sure? We don't even know what species he is. Maybe Yoda lost a finger. Anyway, unfortunately, this is not our Yaddle episode. Stay tuned. <laughs> so you know the the design for Yaddle was initially supposed to be a young Yoda design, by the way, and he yeah, had a sweet dope. like red quaff. Anyways, so you guys brought up Aralani, and I think she makes a really interesting comment in this novel when she says about Thrawn whenever he first kind of shows up and they cross paths. Uh, she says, "Of course he would blunder in," and that's just like such a derogatory comment, like. Where is that coming from? Is that how the military in general, you know, views? Yes. Okay. That's Thrawn, that's what I'm saying. Or... That's what I'm saying. Like that he's like that he's that weird, like weird brand between politics and military because that's how that's how like that's how military leaders. I'm kind of a World War II history buff a little bit. I really like World War II stuff. It's something else that I really enjoy reading about. And like that is how we talk about leaders like Patton right in mm-hmm. eisenhower is like because they're so high ranking in the military they can kind of do what they want right and right. that irritates the crap out of everybody else that can't control them I have, know, an- like- I, have, I have another solution that i want to offer i think thrawn and arlani definitely slept together <laughs> like I, I almost shot wine out of my nose. I definitely think that Arlani ah, is just like that was and, the original story for Thrawn alliances. But seriously, she because the thing is, everything she's saying about Thrawn kind of contradicts what we know about him. But it's definitely something that a jilted lover would say. Oh my god! But for real, I can't like, believe you went there. Why not? I mean, it's like it's like looking at uh, you know how Han and Leia talk about each other sometimes, and it's like. Uh, you're here. Like when Leia's like, "Don't say the Death Star" <laughs> in Episode Seven. It's like, "Oh yeah, that's totally like they're so familiar yeah. that they can talk it's, about it's each like other." Sort of, sort of classic lovers quarrel, sort of. Yeah, thing, yeah. so I can yeah. kind of see that, but I, I'll strange. allow it because that because again, I because I at my core don't think it makes sense that Thrawn is talked about in that way when he's so calculating and actually doesn't. Well, ever take action without thinking uh, yeah but it, it's kind of like that it's kind of like that he's sticking his nose where he doesn't need to be though and people talk about that in other military leaders a lot like that's the way the moths all talk about each other in the yeah, empire yeah but also keep this in mind is in the very first Thrawn novel we found out that he is supposedly exiled from the ascendancy for making a preemptive attack and that was yeah. apparently very against the chis belief right well, wasn't that a lie I thought that was like a lie he used to like get in with the Empire to like spy on him. I thought it was. I thought it was too. I know yeah. that he 
was attempting to spy on the Empire, but was that when was that established as a full blown lie? I, I I think isn't that I know it's been like years since I've read the first Thrawn book. Same. But like so all that I think was in the intro of the book when he's explaining to the Empire who he is and why he's there, right? But then, you know, towards the end of that book we find out that he was actually planted there and like the Chiss ascendancy assigned him to go spy on the Empire, right? So I think that maybe it didn't it didn't actually say he never actually said like, hey, all my origin story that I told you guys early on, all that's a lie. But I think that's sort of implied because because he said he was exiled and that was not the case. Yeah. So So basically he's he went to go spy on the Empire which means they would never send someone to spy if they were a bull in a china shop, which means Arlani's lying, ergo, they <sighs> totally slept together. <laughs> oh, God. Thank All you for right. coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I now have a great excuse to go back and revisit the original Thrawn novel because it has been exactly. some time, and I need to tease this out. But The audiobook. We... Listen to the audiobook. Yes, that's, the a, best good, way to, that's a good call. To reabsorb a book you've already read. That's Mark Thompson, audiobook. right? Yeah, it's very good too. He nails Thrawn. Friend yeah. of the show. He doesn't nail him. Not the way that Arlani nails him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a different sorry, kind of Mark. nailing. Would you would you All like right. to, would you like to come upstairs for a little while? We need to like, send this oh, to Mark. Geez. He would probably be into this. <laughs> oh my god, he voiced that way better than I just did. <laughs> <laughs> Job security. Um, so so before we leave talking about Thrawn, just for a moment to talk about a couple of other characters, I want to hear what your thoughts are on, and I know we don't have a clear answer, but just give me your thoughts on where are Thrawn's ultimate, where is his ultimate loyalty? Does it lie with the Chist? Does it lie with the Empire? Does it lie nowhere? Does it lie somewhere in between? I don't know, because he talks specifically about the Emperor in this novel on page 116, and he says he yeah. commands only the loyalty of my actions not the loyalty of my heart and mind. Yeah, you see, that is like the ultimate question. And like that is one of the reasons I think that Eric and I were both a little frustrated with this book. It's like we were so promised that this was going to be the – Eric is like dancing all over the screen right now. We were uh, promised that this was going to be the answer of that because that was the point of Thrawn Alliances was like who is Thrawn loyal to? Like Vader yeah. asked him that question directly a bunch of times and like we didn't find that out at all in this book. Not yeah. at all. Like <clears throat> I think that that's – again – Corey, you nailed it. My issue with this book's premise that has Palpatine on the cover, and he appears twice in it, by the way, is there was never a moment where Thrawn has to make a choice to do something that would benefit the Chiss and hurt the Empire or benefit the Empire and hurt the Chiss. So unfortunately, I think as as it stands right now, there's no answer to that question because yeah. he's this never was, this had was to as make. weak. It was as weak as it was in alliances. Yeah, the whole what, loyalty balance. Because I because I think that's an awesome question. I think that's an absolutely fascinating choice because Thrawn is the only person in the Empire at that rank that is like an alien that is from somewhere else that actually could feasibly make a choice to support an entirely yes. different species. So I think that's a fascinating way to go, and I do yeah. hope we get that story. And I thought I could have sworn we were getting that story in this book. No. But I, think- I was really hoping. I was really hoping that the whole like final battle stuff that was happening. I was really hoping, hoping that something was going to happen with like involving the Grisk and like Thrawn wanted to like let them go so we could like maybe track them or something. And Arlani would be like totally disagree with that. And they like 
like fire on each other. Yeah. That's what I was really hoping was going to happen. Yeah. Or like, like in the, in the final battle, he did fire on or, or did like you know go to battle, quote unquote, against an imperial general. Yeah, but it was like but a corrupt. He, he was a traitor. Yeah. So exactly, day, he was he was still helping the empire, and and the I know we're jumping all around the plot with this book right now, but. In the epilogue, he has a talk with Palpatine, and Palpatine's like, I'll be watching your loyalties. And I'm like, that's where you started, bro. So I think, ultimately, Charles, I would love to answer that question. I actually would love for that to still come up. I I don't think this is done. I don't think that, like, we tried and failed. Like, I I definitely think that's out there. But at this point, for some reason, it didn't happen in this book. Yeah, and, you know, I think that kind of has to do with just where this book falls and the fact that there is already established Thrawn material after where this book is in the timeline because you can't answer that big of a question or else it it wouldn't make sense that he's still a a high-ranking Imperial in the Rebels television series, right? Oh, not at all. I think not at all. Okay, so if we establish (laughs) that he's a traitor to the Empire, it makes sense that he's back as a Grand Admiral in Rebels? No, because here's what I think would be cool. I think that there's a... I think Zahn is a good enough writer to get around that because I think there's a possibility that Thrawn chooses the Chiss over the Empire, but he's smart enough to make it look like he's not, but we as readers know he did it. So I think that's where, like, maybe he fired... Maybe, maybe Savit. know? Yeah, so maybe Savit wasn't a traitor, but he's able to, like, create that evidence falsely to protect the Chiss. So he covers his own so, back, but so then... So the guy who's too OP and too knowledgeable and has no faults, you want him to pull the wool over the Emperor's eyes. I'm saying I think there's no reason he couldn't at this point. Because, or if he did, then the Emperor has that talk about, like, I don't know, I'm still watching you. Then he's, like, at least, I, I think there was a way to have Thrawn make a choice either way. Or his choice is against the Chiss, which is why he's still a high-ranking Imperial in Season 4 of Rebels. Like, yeah, I don't, there, there's just no, this is, this there's is, no choice. Yeah, I don't know. I want, I want a choice to be made, and then either he suffers the consequences of it and is held at, like, military tribunal by the Emperor and is, like, we know what you did, and now if you, we have you on the edge of on, on a leash now. And if you ever do anything like that again, Vader will kill you. You know, like yeah, but they've already they've already threatened that. Do you think <laughs> yeah. that? Do you think that like Thrawn existing and and them leaving leaving his story wide open at the end of Rebels? Do you think that is the reason that? Like we've not really been able to get any sort of conclusion about yes. that is because no. he's tied into another medium. I don't like, think so. Because everybody knows that the movies and TV shows are more important than the books, right? Like in the grand storytelling scheme, yeah. right? I mean, like, Zahn has said that 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 the end of Rebels with Thrawn, he said that is Dave Filoni's story to tell. Dave Filoni has first dibs on that, so I agree with that. I agree. Right. That. That's why I'm saying. So if he's got first dibs, no, and that's but, been but done for like two years story, now. Man. This isn't that story. Yes, but it is that story. That would jeopardize the future of that story. Exactly. Like, Zahn can't write, like, an ending that contradicts anything that's even possible for Filoni to do because Filoni has got first dibs, which. Which is crappy for Zion because he's kind of like backed himself into a corner a yeah, little don't bit. Don't write this his own character. Or yeah. here's an idea: name it literally anything else, because like a Thrawn story yeah. with the Grisk is still you can you That's can still because Zahn he loves the Grisks. I think, I think <laughs> it should have been called Thrawn Grisk. Yeah, well, I think I think there's there's places to go with that, and I think that there there is just 
I don't know. I, I, I think just a book where Thrawn has any kind of conflict with the Chiss or, or the Empire could definitely happen. Like, to the point where he asks Arlani for help and then betrays her. So then the Chiss go back to space and essentially banish Thrawn from ever coming near them. Yeah. That's interesting. You can do that because the Chiss haven't showed up yet. Or if you really don't want to touch anything after Rebels, you know, don't have the treason aspect to it. Have it be something else with just finding the Grisk and just have that. I mean, the General Savit storyline uncovering an Imperial traitor alone, I think that could have been an interesting Maybe the, maybe the title is talking about his treason the entire time. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. At the end of the day, I'm still excited for that point, but I think there was just a missed opportunity. I think Zahn is a okay. good enough storyteller that saying right. Filoni had had the rights to it is kind of an easy out yeah i wish it's, it's hard this, oh it's this, super hard this, this is that this is that hard part where like i don't think that our we don't feel like we got enough answers out of this book right mm-hmm. like yeah. I, I don't think that's zahn's fault at all no I, and yeah. let me make one more point in in zahn's favor is that we are used to reading books from him that are legends material when he was literally writing the future of Star Wars, it was yeah, wide totally. open. He could do episode seven, eight, nine, man. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And we're comparing, <laughs> however fairly or unfairly it is, and I think we probably do this subconsciously. We're comparing his canon story to his legend story, and and what he's doing now in canon versus what he's done in legends. And it's not a fair comparison because he is handcuffed now in such a way that he never was in the past. He doesn't have free reign like he has previously. There's an entire story group that has to give an okay on every little thing, right? Like he just doesn't have the freedom that he had before. And we can't expect the same scope and size of story that we did from him in Legends now in canon. It's just not possible. We should wipe that possibility off the table. And when when you remove that lens, I think you can approach this book with a little bit clearer picture of... Totally of what yeah. you're what you're expecting right. to get out plus plus he has built in and a beautiful amount of job security by creating <laughs> like this 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 unknown species right yep. so like we already know that from the aftermath series like there's a lot of talk on this this is all post on reddit about this this morning actually like is like in the aftermath series it was brought up this whole like the emperor is really interested in what's happening in the unknown regions like, yeah okay so yeah. Maybe that's the grisk. Like, th- and Zahn creating that possibility is genius of him because, yeah. like, this really opens the door to a lot of really great storytelling if he cannot, if he does not have to be handcuffed. And yeah. maybe he's not handcuffed, like, as much as we think we do. Like, I've said this a thousand times and I'll continue to say it. Like, we all act like the Lucasfilm story group is, like, you know, the gods, the keepers of the holocron. That is not true at all. They've said multiple no. times that they must say multiple times, listen. They don't even tell us the titles of films. We don't get, we don't know crap. Like the the story group has said that over and over again mm-hmm. that they are just not as involved as everybody likes to think that they are. So, you know, we don't actually have any understanding of what how much handcuffing there is. And yeah, and I think at the end of the day, like I, I mean, honestly, for me, like the Thrawn trilogy is fine. It doesn't crack my top of anything in Legends. So I, I, I for me personally, content and quality wise, I really try not to compare it to the Legends anyway because it doesn't really hold that place in my heart. Yeah. But I think with Thrawn and with Zahn in this new realm that he's writing in, I think it's just a different kind of storytelling. And I think that you still have to find a way to write a complete story, even if you're in a series, with a beginning, middle, and end, with characters that go through obstacles, with characters that go through difficulties. And if you're basing a story around a concept, you kind of have to follow that concept through. 
and if you get to the end and it hasn't worked, then you got to edit it and rework, or you have to do like just basic storytelling things. And I think that ultimately that's that's the writer's job, and I think he's got the skill to do it, regardless of whether he's in Legends or Canon, because he's also written non-Star yeah. Wars books, and he'd have to do it for that. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So all that all those criticisms aside, I think there is definitely a story about Thrawn's allegiances to be told, and I'm excited to get that info at some point. But I'm afraid we just didn't get it yet. Yeah, we. I mean, we call this a trilogy, and it sure it's three books in a series. He calls it a trilogy on the Star Wars show. Yeah, and that's and that's totally fine. But keep in mind, this is not Thrawn's story. Like, this is not the end of it. Obviously, we've seen more in Rebels. There's more coming because they're not. They didn't set that up to never explore that. You know. So we want we want the third book in a three part series to have a lot of conclusions and this one mm-hmm. didn't necessarily have those but there is more coming so let's talk about eli eli vanto next he is i'm gonna say the third greatest character that zahn has ever created behind thrawn and behind mara jade Ooh, um, okay oh i always the, forget that thrawn technically invented mara jade that is true though that thrawn ah, did okay he's a, even, i'm sorry zahn zahn and thrawn this is no, definitely not the wine talking. Honestly, this is not in the outline. Do you guys think he named the character after himself, kind of? Did he do that on purpose? Maybe. Okay, here's here's an issue that I have with him, because I think you might be right. And again, I love the dude. I, I think he's a phenomenal additive to this universe. I think the only problems I have with Thrawn are sometimes when I see a guy that created him and treats him as like his son, or maybe like you know named him slightly after himself. He's kind of afraid to give him weakness, and I think that comes from a little <laughs> bit of like himself. He's like, "That's not that's not fair." No, you can't I, no that. I, again, I'm not saying that, but I'm 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 not saying that it's true. But I'm saying that that is the thing that I do see because I'm like his name is very similar, and I think that when he writes him, he becomes more powerful than when anyone else does. So I think that's a possibility. Yeah, no, because I do the same thing that you just did, Corey, all the time. I say Zon when I mean Thrawn, and I say Thrawn when I mean Zon. Yep. Timothy just, Thrawn. <laughs> oh my god please tell me thrawn's first name is timothy Tim- i am timothy mithron Nerodo. <laughs> that's fantastic uh, i'm picturing like an elementary school age timothy thrawn with his lunchbox <laughs> <laughs> oh he's adorable oh well, um, he's like for the worst. he's like already in high school Great. Exactly, but all right but, but your point on vanta though i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you i really like eli i think he's I think he was yeah. missed in alliances, and I, I, his parts in this book oh, I thought were 100%, super solid. Totally missed in alliances. Yeah, I think he yeah, was super do you guys, solid. Do you guys think that? Do you guys think that that Eli is the best, like secondary expanded universe character that's been created in canon? No. Who do you think is the best? Except- Wait, what? What are the parameters? What do you mean by sec- like secondary character? Just like, like not first tier? Like yes. The novel exactly. isn't about them, essentially. Right. This is these are characters like uh, like Command- Governor Price, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like Bones, the or Mister Bones, Mr. the Bones. droid, like characters that were created. Randolph Castorfo and Bloodline, right? Exclusively in expanded universe, will probably never make it to the films, but are fans like absolutely love. Like I think Eli is definitely one of those characters. Like, well, I think I think he's and, one of the most given, beloved given for sure. Maybe maybe okay, Eric. Let me pose you this question, okay? Mm-hmm. So maybe your opinion of Eli is kind of is diminished a little bit because it's been so long since you've read Thrawn, like the first Thrawn mm-hmm. book. But if you were to take out alliances out of the picture altogether and yep. put this book and um, the first Thrawn book together, 
Treason and Thrawn. I think Eli is an unbelievably good character. Yeah. Oh, I, oh. So don't get me wrong. I think he's very good. My my not putting him anywhere near the top of mine is more commentary on how much I love other characters than how much I don't like him. That's fair. No, I I really I think he's written super well. I think he's yeah. I think he is very classic Star Wars. I think he is he is sure. expertly written for what he is. I think he's a great he's a great Watson to Holmes to bring back that comparison. Um, but but I did find it funny, you know, the whole "Where is Eli?" was the uh, the the Twitter campaign for this book, and I was like, <laughs> we all know he's with the Chiss, right? Like, did anyone not know he was with the Chiss? Like, was there actually? I don't know. We, we knew he was with the Chiss, but what is he doing with the Chiss? And why was Thrawn so insistent? That right, he goes but but there? just like the Twitter campaign specifically was, "Where is Eli?" I'm like. We all know he's with the Ascendancy. But any, I'm sorry, I thought that was a weird... It was a funny <laughs> hashtag to, to choose. But no, I think Eli is, is good. I think he is capable, which is very, very cool. He could easily be a buffoon that follows Thrawn around. But I think he we got to see him learn a lot in the Academy in the first Thrawn book. And in this one, he comes in and Thrawn's like, nope, I trust this guy. He's good at what he does. I mean, he is Watson. Like, yes, lit- no, literally. He's, he's Watson. Yeah. Watson from Sherlock Holmes, he's Watson. Yeah, he's a super solid character. Yeah, but, but, you know, it's interesting because I, I entirely agree. He is supposed to be, like, the common man who is your lens to look at Thrawn and to kind of understand the story and to get right. that appreciation for the character. But in this book, he actually he's progressed a lot since we last saw him. And not even yeah. just from, like, the beginning of the Thrawn novel, but even from the end of the Thrawn novel. Like, he is... Right. He he doesn't really know it, but he's respected among the Chiss, and he has a very specific yeah. job, right? That we learn about that yeah. he doesn't know the importance of, but it is very important. So what did he also understands like his 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 competence at this point? Like it's very clear yeah. that he like he he's come to terms with the fact that hey, maybe I am a little talented, right? Uh-huh. Like he that's obvious, which is nice. Yeah, I I did have that point where I was like, you know, Eli. Eli was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I like this job. I don't know why it's important. And then he asks Arlani at the end. She's like, you don't know what you were doing, did you? He said, no. And she's like, well, it's this really important thing. And I do like that he didn't ask and then get told no a bunch of times because that could get mm-hmm. tiresome. And then I then I think I would have thought less of Arlani at that point. But I do like that he just kind of like wallowed in it. And then like, oh, if you would have asked, they probably would have told you how important your job is. <laughs> So yeah, but I did like I, I like the respect. I like that he didn't start over again in this book, and having someone, you know, be among the Chiss in front of the rest of the Empire. You know, when he when he meets Thrawn yeah. and all the rest of the people was really interesting with him and Pharaoh and all that jazz. Yeah, it was cool little you know that you have ring theory and all of that with Star Wars. And there, this was like more of a mirror thing where you know he started out in Thrawn and he was a translator for Thrawn to a bunch of humans and then in this novel he was actually translating to humans for all of the Chiss which I thought was pretty cool but you know the same kind of question arises for Eli Vanto that arises for Thrawn and that is where is his allegiance where do his loyalties lie and in his case it's it could be the Empire it could be the Chiss or it could actually be Thrawn himself which I think is a really interesting idea um and specifically on page 90 that that idea is explored and it it says a deserter and a traitor to the empire and yet here he was about to tell chiss secrets to his former imperial commander did that offer a degree of redemption or did it simply make him twice a traitor so is he a traitor why or why not who's he loyal to what are your thoughts what if 
Here's a fun question. What if the name of this book, Thrawn Treason, is not actually about Thrawn? That's not a fun question. What, what if the treason <laughs> is about Eli? Okay. Okay. No, I, 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 I hear you. <laughs> Eli is the only person that's in this book that actually asked the question. Like, he, he, we actually see glimpses into the commentary of, like, Whose side am I on? I think Eli actually asked that exact question at some point mm-hmm. in the book. It's like, who am I loyal to? I don't even know anymore. And like, my, Ron doesn't do that. My my problem is the following. I'm just going to read directly from the book jacket. Okay. Thrawn's mastery of strategy must guide him through an impossible choice. Duty to the Chist ascendancy or fealty to the empire he has sworn to serve, even if the right choice means committing treason. Like okay, I, li- okay. I like that. Wh- whoever, I, whoever, whoever wrote that didn't read the book. Exactly, and, and then it's like Palpatine's on the fucking <laughs> cover. So I'm like, <laughs> so I, 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 I think as I like these ideas in theory, I really do, and I want them to be true because I think there's some interest there, and I think that Eli's story is actually more interesting in this book than Thrawn's, and maybe if it had been I written agree. in a way that was like more like the first Thrawn canon novel, where it is more Eli's story, kind of watching from the outside, maybe that's how Thrawn yeah. works the best, and I think that so. Yeah, sorry. Go what ahead. if we get that? What What if we get in a novel dedicated to Eli Vanta? Would you read that story oh, with him yeah. as the oh, yeah. protagonist? And especially if oh, it yeah. explored this idea of what he's trying to uncover, which is essentially how Chiss have this like the skywalking ability or whatever their like special abilities are. Would that's you read that such, book? Is that something you want? That's such a better book. Yeah, you, mean, you heard it here, <laughs> Timothy Zahn. I know you listen to the show. Well, yeah, because I, I think that again, I. There's this weird thing I'm discovering in fiction that you – because these are kind of mystery novels, right? They're a little more detective novels than your normal Star Wars fair, right? Because yeah, we're yeah. realizing that a lot of writers write in different genres. Like we have, we have our romance Star Wars novels. We have our sci-fi war sci- um, Star Wars novels. These are our mystery detective Star Wars novels. And for those to work, the detective needs to not figure stuff out yet and needs to not know where the clues are leading and needs to do all these things. And with Thrawn as the protagonist, he always knows, but Eli he is the protagonist. knows everything. Yeah, but Eli is the protagonist, I think, if he was in a culture he was unaware of, if there was this enemy he didn't know, and he didn't have Thrawn to kind of lean on, and he just had to figure out with his own skills how to save this race of people that he now wanted to help, that's a fascinating story, and I'd love to get that. Okay, I, I, I need y'all's help with, with something really quick. Okay, yes, sir. So- this this bothered me a lot, and and Zahn has done this a good deal in the last two books, both in Alliances and in this books. Like he alludes to like sort of tedious activities that are supposedly important, like to the big picture. And we, as the reader, are supposed to be like look back, and maybe if you reread the book, you're like, oh, that totally makes sense. Like, of course, I get it, and the clues were there the whole time, but. I think that is the intention, but I think it often does not end up being that. And and one of the things I'm talking about is there was a lot of talk about this tedious bullshit work that Eli was doing yeah. while he was working for the Chiss. Like, and it's somehow important to the big picture. Mm-hmm. How the hell is that important to the big picture? Like, he was just like, like he he made it sound like you know when he was describing what he was actually being asked to do. I'm imagining. Eli Vanto in a cubicle on a Chiss <laughs> warship 
Yep. Looking at Excel documents. And he's got a li- he's got a little like, pi- he's got a little framed picture of Thrawn next to his computer. And yes, he's like, like oh, next to his computer. A clip on tie. <laughs> right. And a clip a clip on tie, yep, yep. right? And this like just a an Excel document with just numbers. Lots of yep. numbers in it. It doesn't have anything special. No, none of the columns are labeled. There's yep. a bunch of numbers and he's just like finding what patterns. What am I doing? That's what Thrawn he's doing. sent me over here to do this. I'm just like I'm just like doing, you know, equal sum on these <coughs> these these excelled like what like, what was he actually doing and why is it important and what the hell man the, the like just hate data entry that's actually what it is he was like i'll send you a human <laughs> to do data entry but really though was that actually explained at all it, i mean it had to do he was yeah yeah it was searching for some kind of patterns right, but not really though like because they didn't actually yeah. tell us do you remember what it was i i agree with you that it, it wasn't necessarily fleshed out all that well but he was essentially looking through data for a pattern that he could recognize, and he didn't know what that data was, but it was essentially data about all of the Chiss who have special abilities, who have yeah, second sight and third sight. That's so stupid. Now, it doesn't me, make right? very much sense. No, it doesn't that make sense. He like, wouldn't like... understand what he was looking at because that doesn't crunch down to like zeros and ones, you know? Right, right. right. Like, that's like, what it was just... supposed to be. I, hate I think that. it actually it would have done. I think it, it would have done better if maybe there were even little snippets of like Thrawn and Aralani secretly talking to each other about like how important what he was doing was but it was like presented yeah. as not important right. Aralani or never maybe, said it was important maybe Thrawn if never there said were it was just important. even maybe just even clues to like what he was actually doing like yeah yeah like exactly. like he was he was he was able to look back and be like oh these were dates of significant battles in which like the the Jedi Force children of the Chiss were somehow used. Like maybe if he yeah. were able to actually connect the dots of what he was doing, but it was just it was talked about as if he was doing this stupid, tedious task, and then it was never explained. And, it, and it's just like then at the end of the book, it's like, oh, he was looking at patterns. Oh, patterns! Patterns are what make you so intelligent. Pattern recognition. Ah, yeah. patterns! <laughs> you know You're such I- a genius because you can recognize patterns. <laughs> it's just like. You know what I want like, what now? What are you talking about? Dude, Patterns? It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Now in that, now in that, in that workplace comedy book about Eli Vanto that we're writing, I want him like in the cubicle looking at patterns, and he goes to the water cooler with that what, what, what Vanya was that her name? That other chest, and be like, oh hey, still working on patterns? Yeah, 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 still, uh, still toiling away, and like, just, like I want like just, a spinoff just... of The Office with Eli in an office with all chest. Yes. And and that's what it Scott. is. That's what it is. <laughs> Dude, the concept every... of patterns being the thing that yeah. that we're all supposed to look at Eli and go, "Oh, he's so smart." Oh God! Like it's just like it just it pisses me off. Right? Yeah. So one thing that really irks me is it's just it's such a vague concept, and we're supposed to look at it as if it's this super profound thing, and it to me totally missed the mark. Yeah. Like. Last thing, I want to say on, last thing I want to say on that, because I know we're, we're wrapping up Eli and we're going to get to the end of our characters here, is there's this thing in theater that I get told a lot by directors, which is show, not tell, right? They say, okay, what were you doing in that scene? And if I have to tell you a bunch why what I was doing is, what I was doing is important, then clearly I missed it and I got to try again. Just show me, Just show me the thing. And I think that's the problem with Eli here is that we were told, like, no, this is important. And we, I had to be convinced as a reader so much that this menial task is important. Whereas I think the the better writing, in my opinion, is showing through the actions and showing through the results of what happens. Then I know it's right. important because, oh, clearly it affected the plot in this way. I think that's right. that's some of Thrawn's problems as well is that his actions 
like our our genius, but he does a lot of telling wh- how he figured this out, and, and we and we get right. a lot of telling why things are important as opposed to the drama of the story unfolding. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I get I get that Eli needed to earn the trust of the Chiss. Like that's understandable, and maybe he could have given some task early on that help him learn the trust of the chess. Maybe this book and the actions that played out in this book is what earns him the trust of the chess. Absolutely. Like, I'm just like, like putting a guy like Eli who Thrawn sent the first human ever to be sent to the chess ascendancy in millennia. Right. Like it just seems so stupid that he was just made to look at an Excel document without any context at all. Like if Eli is actually as talented as he is, Giving him the context, what he's actually doing, maybe could have let him actually solve the problem. That's just so frustrating to me as the reader. It's just like, it's just like, it was, it just seemed dumb. It just seemed like a pointless task. Like, you know, maybe if he would have, if he would have known what the hell he was doing, maybe he could have actually just done it and it would have been really, really good and cool, but it just wasn't presented that way at all. It's just like he was just looking at an Excel document. And that really bothered me. Yeah. Well, maybe we will get that in the Eli novel that is forthcoming. Maybe so. Timothy's on. So as we wrap up characters here, because we are we are getting into a lot here, guys. That I was not prepared for. We were. It's funny for the listeners. We were talking about. You know what? Maybe this can be like a one episode roundtable. That is not happening. Uh, There's not even like a third way through our document. But I would be I would be remiss if we did not finish this episode without talking about one of the greatest uh characters in this novel and i'm not actually talking about waffle uh waffle the death trooper but (laughs) rather assistant director ronan and Mm -hmm. so i just want to hear your thoughts quickly guys on this character what did he bring to the story what did you think about him did you hate him as much as me uh it's not a loaded (laughs) question at all Go ahead. Uh, tell me what you I, thought. I, I would. I would 100% hate him as much as you. you know, and you're know supposed you to. Him. So that's not a knock. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I know you're supposed to hate assistant director Ronan, and I don't hate him because he was an obnoxious character. Because that was the point. He was supposed to be an obnoxious character. I hated assistant director Ronan because he's a completely unnecessary character and is literally only there so all of us look and go, "Oh, Thrawn is really smart." Like. That drives me nuts. Like we don't have to have that character in every single Theron book. Of like, there is always the character that has to learn how smart Theron is. That's always like the big premise. And I think that's Eric and I is one of the biggest problems we have with this. Mm-hmm. He's so unfailable. And like, I'm tired of learning this lesson. Right? I'm a I'm an experienced Star Wars reader. Okay, I don't need to be <laughs> taught how smart Theron is every single book. Like basic lessons of like he can he can predict what's gonna happen he uses art to like learn things like it just it feels like an origin story every single time and it just gets old it'd be like if we if we went into um you know you go and and see revenge of the sith and it's and someone's like oh you're just gonna make these rocks float with your mind and it's like yeah like and i think (sighs) so, so my thing is weirdly i didn't have such a big problem with ronin but I think that's because he spoke a lot of what I felt, which was like, this is ridiculous. Like, what do you, oh, what is this? What do you mean he's just going to do this? He can't, like, he was, <laughs> if, it, if I were in a Star Wars book, I think I'd be a lot like him. Being like, Thrawn, this is bullshit. I don't know what you're doing. Why are these people here? <laughs> like, so narratively, he was problematic, but I, I felt seen. <laughs> it's funny to me because 
my biggest issue with Ronan is none of what you guys have mentioned. It's actually that he is Director Krennic without the name. Like, he is the same person sure. who is sure. just incredibly loyal to everything that Krennic believes in. It was just that they probably couldn't take Krennic and put him into this story. But if you took, if you just put Krennic's name everywhere that it says Ronin, plays perfectly. Dude, plays I gotta say, here, here's, a, here's, a, fun, down to here's the a fun theory. Yep. They were sleeping together. Ooh. Oh, God, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so, so, here, so here's my thing. One thing, as we're wrapping up characters in this episode, I, w- I want to mention one thing that I really did love in this book, actually, because I feel like we've been going pretty hard on it. Waffle. I really, I loved Waffle, and I also really loved um, the interplay between Thrawn, Krennic, Tarkin. Oh yeah, yeah that was because, fantastic. dude. If that's what, if this book was actually that, if it was actually members of the Imperial higher ups trying to finagle their way to get their products they wanted and backstabbing each other and figuring out who's actually working with whom, that is such a cool book. And, and if you listen to the yes. audiobook, Mark Thompson does a phenomenal job actually differentiating them because when I listen to it, Tarkin and Krennic could actually have very similar voices, but he does a great job in differentiating, so shout out to Mark. But I, I think that using that kind, those characters and in, in doing that kind of story is actually way more interesting because that chapter was so good. And I, I wonder if that is something so to me, it felt like, again, it's not based on any facts. So I want to say that outright. It felt like Disney or Lucasfilm was like, hey, these guys will be around there. Do you want to throw them in for a second? And Zahn's like, sure, I'll do that for a second. But they're not going to be in the main part of my book. You know, and, I, and I'm wondering, like, I, I, I mean, Krennic is an amazing character. Again, Corey, yeah. Rogue One is your favorite movie. Krennic is oh, yeah. a phenomenal character in that film. Yeah. And mm-hmm. him and Tarkin going back and forth is really cool. So yeah. I think Ronan was uh, kind of a, a, a stand-in that we didn't need, and it should have just been Krennic. Yeah. But even if it was just Krennic, I'm not sure if that would have helped the book out at all. It just would have made a little more right. sense. I, so I know, I know we're running out of time here. I think we're really going to get more into the whole Tarkin Krennic, uh, you know, Ronan. Yeah, next week. More in, in, in the next week, right? Next week's episode. But like I, the positive thing I will say about about Ronan is like I really enjoyed seeing his loyalty to Krennic and how Krennic's opinions on the empire have very obviously run off on Ronan a lot. And it's very interesting to kind of get a little more behind the scenes look at like Krennic thinks the empire is failing and let like the emperor being all powerful is actually a problem. And he, mm-hmm. the best part of all that is that he's right. Like that, all this stuff that Krennic has a problem with in the empire is true. Like it's the reason that the empire fell is like, being obsessed with the whole Death Star situation, like giving weird powers to governors slash military leaders like Grand Moff Tarkin is probably a mistake. And like, he's not wrong about all that stuff. It's yeah. very interesting, yeah. interesting to see like, you know, somebody who's a little more vocal about their opinions about the Empire. That's also kind of a key figure in the Empire, which is really cool. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it makes sense too, right? That when the emperor does die that there are so many of these factions within the empire who are loyal to different leaders like krennic would have had his people yeah. you know if he was around that long and yeah you know, tarkin would have if he was around that long like we see yeah. it in this book even between savit yeah. and thrawn like we see star destroyer v star destroyer and all yep. of the crews yeah. and, and, are and all the crew yeah, yeah exactly so exactly so there's all a lot right. of places to go man yeah 
All right. Wow. So so that's our first part of this round table. Like way longer than we meant it to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean and and for listeners, you know if you listen to these round tables before, our second part's usually a little longer cuz we hope if you've listened to this first part, you want to hear part 2. Um again, if you haven't read Treason yet, then spoilers for what you all just heard. <laughs> but come come on back next week. Right. We'll do we often, more stuff. We often dive. We often dive more into like the big overarching questions and like the second. I'm looking at the, the title of the next section on Charles's write up for this is literally overarching questions. That wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like we often focus these first episodes on character studies because that's so important in canon books. Like Eric has said a lot of times before that we think that canon books are much more focused on characters rather than plot. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons we really spend a lot of time talking about characters. And that also has a lot to do with how we personally rate the books on utu.com too. So tune in next week to hear more of the big picture stuff. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. Hopefully the next one will be just as good. Yeah. And if you have read Thrawn Treason, remember you can head over to Utini and find Thrawn Treason's book profile. Add your star yes. rating and write a comment. Do it. And we'll try to throw some uh, user comments at the end of next week's show to see what you all thought about Thrawn Treason. All right? Yeah. And we do have we do have one or two reviews in there already. So, like, please go in there. We'll read them aloud on the show. So yeah. Especially if you disagree with us and we are wrong, show us the light, man. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Give it five out of five stars and, and then argue with us. We can, we'll argue with you live on the show. It'd be great. It'd be perfect. But on that, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force, everybody. If you are new, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every week to hear us at Utini talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Please leave us a review on iTunes to help people find us and head over to utini.com for reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles on every single story in the Star Wars galaxy, including Thrawn Treason. As we said at the top of the show, if you're looking to buy some books and want to help support us, Look up your book on Utini, click the Amazon link on the profile, and we'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on around here. If you'd like to help us out a little more directly, you can find us on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash Utini, where you can join our amazing patrons. So thanks again to Dylan Sasser, Adam Dyson, and Timothy Dunlap for your support. If you want your thoughts on the show on Thrawn or anything else, email us at livingforcepod at utini.com. Tweet at us at livingforcepod, or join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. You can find us individually. We are on Twitter at, at Eric Eilerson for me. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Hankel. Special thank you, as always, to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Freddie, our producer, and Wes, our community manager. Thank you to Corey and Charles for podcasting with me this week. And as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the Force be with you.